You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Today, or last week, we, we only looked at 11 verses, but we looked at it in three different translations. So that comes up to 33 verses. I, I think I like 30. Yeah. <laughs> but today I've, I've gone back to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at the first four verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. And in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. (sighs) Living by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we live. Sometimes when you read Paul, you don't really catch what he's saying. When you're first reading, you've got to be in a, in a state of mind, of, of kind of study, of intensity, of looking at it. And I know that when you come here on Sunday and it's time for the sermon, you're all on the edge of your seat you're just ready to grasp every dot, jot and tittle, everything, every nuance. You're just ready to absorb it all and jump on it. And that's why some are falling asleep. <laughs> and it's like, okay, let's break this down. Let's look at this. Let's make sure we see this. <clears throat> I want us to, to catch this. Some, some of this stuff is really, really important uh, to us, and it's precious to us. It's been scripture verses that you may have memorized, that, that you hold close to your heart, that just have a powerful impact. I want to look at it in the Passion Translation for you. And this is how it reads the first four verses of Romans 8 in the Passion. So now, the case is closed, period. Case is closed. I love it. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law, quote unquote, of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law, quote unquote, of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by human weakness by by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the sin, condemn the guilt and the power of sin. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live, not according to the flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. Amen. Case closed. Now in the Greek, case closed means case closed. It's done. It's finished. This is not a cold case. 
This isn't one that they don't have all the information, they haven't got all the evidence, and, and the judge hasn't been able to accurately make a declaration that is final. No, God, the final authority in all things, has said the case is closed. Well, what case? What case is closed? Very good. The case against you is done. Case closed. <clears throat> we see that in this, Paul is, 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 is speaking to the community, and obviously there's some, some Jews there, and, and they understand the law, and they, they understand that as God's chosen people, they had to obey the law, but they never were able to because of the weakness of their own human flesh. They can't live up to everything in the law. Now, the enemy gets us all sideways on some of this stuff because when we think of the law, sometimes we think the law is, is evil and rotten and, oh, away with the law, bring in grace. Well, you get a contrast between law and grace when you set it up like that, but the law was good. The law has always been good. The thing of it is, we can't keep the law. But Jesus fulfilled the law. And, and I love how the <clears throat> passion puts us that the full requirements of righteousness to fulfill every detail about the law was fulfilled in the righteousness of Jesus. That he became the sin offering. He became the one that made the, the exchange, that took it, where everything was against us, now everything is in our favor All right. because of Christ Jesus. So what is important here? It's your union with Christ Jesus. It's the very thing that the evil one will do everything that he can to make you feel that you're only partially attached. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you're only partially there. We're only, you know, just kind of... Well, some days I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, Jesus really paid the price for my sin and I receive him as my Lord and Savior and I've invited him into my life and I've set him up as Lord of my life. And when we have those, <clears throat> those spiritual moments when we're aware of that reality, there is a peace that comes upon us. There is, a, there is a shift in our attitude. There's a shift in our perception of who we think we are and who we think other people are and how we relate to God. Because the enemy is constantly going after that. He wants us to feel like God really isn't for us. He really doesn't care because we are so miserably messing up. Now, <clears throat> for many of us, theologically, doctrinally, we're good with this. You know, before I knew Jesus, you know, I was a dirty, rotten sinner. And then when I came to Jesus, ah, he forgave me. He came into my life. He rocked my world. It was wonderful. And everything is wonderful. And I know that my sin has been forgiven. Past tense. But then what happens? when we continue on. Mm. 
I was reading a, a story, a devotional. Sandy Patty in her, uh, her new book, The Voice, she's talking about the guilt that she still carries. Why? Because after she came to Christ, after she loved the Lord, after she was used to sing so many incredible songs and just so amazing uh, with what she could do in, in releasing almost the gospel through her voice, incredible voice. But then she had an affair, divorced her husband, and it's affected her kids, her ex-husband, her husband's wife, and his kids. And she just, she just was saying, you know, well, I, I, I'm carrying this, this weight of condemnation with me everywhere I go. It's, it's there. I mean, yeah, I know that the Lord has forgiven me, but the consequences of my sin are still real, and I carry it. And so she's living with this all the time. And she had a friend, the friend that she, she first went to when she confessed her sin, that she had had an affair and had divorced her husband and all the ramifications of that. <clears throat> and she was living underneath the weight and the guilt and the condemnation of that sin. Now, we all know that he forgave our sins before we became Christian, but when you make a huge sin, a class A sin, a class double A sin, after you're a believer, then you know you deserve to be carrying around the condemnation and the weight because you really screwed up. It's like, he forgave me and I'm gonna get into heaven, but here represents the constant guilt and condemnation that I live under. It's an incredible article. You'll, you'll love it, and I, and I can get it to you. To make the long story short, her friend said, we're going on a, a trip. She takes her to a place where they have stones, and she gets a big piece of cement, about 25 pounds. Thank God this one isn't quite 25 pounds. This is probably about an eight to 10 pounder. Yeah. <clears throat> and she says, okay, go pick it up. She carries it to the cashier, she pays for it. The cashier is a, a fine young guy and says, can I help you uh, take that to your car? And before Patty could say, oh yes, thank you. Her friend said, no, she can carry it. <laughs> and so she carried the weight that was symbolic of the condemnation and guilt that she was carrying every day of her life. And she carried it all day. She had to do laundry. She carried the weight while she was doing laundry. She was fixing, <laughs> she was fixing uh, supper. She had to pick her kids up at school. <laughs> well, they gave her a, a time out while driving. They didn't make her carry it, but then she carried it. And all of a sudden, she was so used to carrying the weight emotionally but now under this physical, she was becoming so weary and she knew she couldn't keep it up, but yet she felt like she should. She should carry this. She deserves to carry this. 
It's hers. And if it wasn't for the, the contrast of the weight physical and the weight spiritual, she would have never connected the dots. Because she felt like her emotional burden that she was carrying was something totally justified and that she had to. And almost in our spiritual pride, we feel like we need to carry this. But when she was carrying this, she finally got to the place and her friend said, would you like to lay that down? And so they, they went to the foot of the cross and they took the heavy, heavy burden and they laid it down. She needed another person to help her understand what she was experiencing. There are so many different ways that the enemy has us carrying things that we're not supposed to be carrying because we're afraid that if we confess what we're carrying, we might be viewed differently. <clears throat> or we don't even know how to give language to what we're carrying. We know that there's something of essence that's extremely <laughs> draining and is just fatiguing day in and day out but we, can't even, we don't even have words to describe what it is that it's there. I find for most of my brothers and sisters, the enemy always has something that he's got up his sleeve that every time we're starting to live in the grace and the joy and the life of Jesus Christ, he takes his little card up his sleeve and reminds us that he's about to trump our liberty and our freedom and oftentimes we cower and we go back and we carry the condemnation another day. First of all, there's two lies here. The first lie is that we think we're supposed to carry it <clears throat> because grace forgives us for all our sins before we knew how wonderful Jesus was but now that we know how wonderful Jesus is and we've now committed this sin, oh, then we deserve to carry the consequences. And two, the intimidation of the, <laughs> I call it the ace of spades, that the enemy has up his sleeve, that he's ready to come in and trump. It's really not the card that's going to trump. In Jesus Christ, you have the right bower. Find out who knows Euchre real quick. <clears throat> the ace of spades is, is, is an intimidation tactic. And it's not even the highest card in the deck. Jesus is the highest card in the deck. I'm sorry for all the religious folks that I just offended about talking about cards. Have mercy and forgive me. But this is the truth of the gospel. The gospel is so good. It is such a good truth that somehow we try to sabotage it ourselves. Not intentionally, but underneath the radar, we're constantly sabotaging the life and the peace and the joy and the fullness that Christ has for us. 
<clears throat> and we're not even aware that we're doing it. Except some of us, we got our PhD in it and we worked hard to learn how to sabotage that effectively. Mm -hmm. Well, for those that are in union with Jesus Christ, we've got to come and deal with the fact that the case is closed. Guilt and condemnation and shame has been dealt with by Jesus giving his life upon the cross and on the third day rising from the dead and then ascending to the right hand of the Father and releasing the Holy Spirit so that now we can have him living in us. <clears throat> it's the spirit of life that sets me free. It's flowing through the anointing of Jesus. He has liberated us from the law of sin and death. Oh, that's such good news. We're liberated from the, the law of sin and death. Sin has no more power or right over us. And this is the, this is the thing that it, it's a fine line of distinction, but if you don't get this, kind of nudge your, anybody around you, just kind of nudge them and say, I think the bald guy's going to say something significant. Don't, don't miss this. Wake up. You got to hear this. Uh, if we continue to perceive ourselves after we've accepted Jesus and his forgiveness for our sins and we continue to look at ourselves as a dirty, rotten sinner and we haven't understood that we are a son of the Most High God, a daughter of the Most High God, if we haven't embraced the new reality of the born-again experience that we've been gone out of darkness into light if, if we haven't understood that the absolutely pure, holy, and righteous one took all of our sinfulness upon himself, why? He took all of that off of us onto himself so that we could become the righteousness of God. Now, <clears throat> when we know that, and yet we've, we're, we're battling addictions and, and we're still going through such difficulties, the enemy, we, we give him too much material to work with, and he just beats our brains out with condemnation. But somewhere the Spirit will bring a revelation that your sinful nature has been nailed to the cross, and you do not have to embrace it ever again. You no longer have a sin nature, you have a sin pattern. That there is within your system, you've, you've, you automatically reach for this when you get triggered for that. And it's like, this is a pattern. This is not your nature. Your nature is the righteousness of Jesus. If you don't get this in you, you will be going to AA, CR, NA. You'll be doing that for eternity. Because the only way that you can get free from addiction and sinful patterns is to understand that you are righteous. Yes. That the righteousness of Jesus is at the very core of your being. When you get that in, then you can be able to say, oh, I almost, I almost went into default mode and went back to a wrong, a, a poor choice just because that's the pattern that I oftentimes do. Yeah. I don't know how this works, but I know it's absolutely true 
that when you believe that the righteousness of Jesus is in you, you have been given permission to make a different choice. You have been enabled and graced. Why? Because the righteousness of Jesus is poured out in you by the love of the Father pouring out his love into your heart by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. And that goes back to Romans 5. So you have that reality taking place. And so here, he says, so now every righteous requirement of the law can be be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. No condemnations for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when you see Christ Jesus put in that way, it's focusing on the anointed one. That's what Christ means, the anointed one. The anointed one, Jesus, the anointed one lives in you. And it's not because you are now going to pull yourself up by your religious bootstraps and and live a righteous moral life as much as it is The anointed one lives within you as we embrace him and allow him to live in us. We have new, we have new freedom. We have a power that raised Jesus from the dead residing in us. We've got an ability to say no and an ability to say yes to the king. Mm. That's good preaching. I got to take a drink on that one. It is so good. God achieved by sending his son in the likeness of our sinful humanity, yet he was without sin. So that we could know Jesus isn't just an example for us. He's an example of us. He's an example of who God created us to be. We're to be sons and daughters of the Most High. I'm not saying that you are Christ, but when we see how he relates to the Father, we get a revelation of how we're supposed to relate to the Father. When we get uh, uh, to observe the way in which he lived and loved, we get a new understanding of what's called upon us. It's not for us to develop a holy club. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. Jesus came that he might reveal the Father accurately. He's not a mad dad. He's a loving father. That's right who's merciful to his kids. Oh, so merciful. So sin is done. Sin is absolutely done. Sin is done. Jesus has dealt with the sin issue. And it's one of those things that if the enemy can keep us navel-gazing about our sinfulness, we will never get a revelation of what the kingdom is about will be completely preoccupied with ourself instead of being so secured in our Father's love for us that now we're able to see others differently because we've seen him 
and we know him. And he's given us the ability to love, even ourselves. And to drop the emotional burden, the spiritual burden, even the physical burdens at the foot of the cross. And faith knowing that he died for us. This is the good news of the gospel. Then we're free to love as he loved. I heard my good friend Matt Williams, he, he spoke one of the meetings I was at this week, and he was talking about, you know, this guy's just full of love. He's just full, just, I'm, I get so excited about the 30-year-old kids that are just tearing up the kingdom. They're just wonderful. And he said one time he's, he's there with the Lord, and he's aware, you know, that he's loving. He's loving his people. He's loving everything. And the Lord spoke to him and said, but you're a mercenary lover. Mercenaries get paid to go into war. They're hired guns. They're hired troops. And as he said that, I thought, oh, Lord, you know, may we not be mercenary lovers, loving only those that we get paid to love. I had a good friend that used to always tell me, yeah, you get paid to be good. He would speak of himself and said, I'm good for nothing. And it was just like, and I thought, you know, some people think that that's why we do what we do is because we get paid for it. No, we're to go beyond mercenary loving. We're to love the one that's the most difficult to love. Doggone, it was such a sweet sermon till we went there. Ask the Lord who he wants to put into your path, into your life, that he's called you to love the way the Father loves, which is whether they respond or not. The Father loves everyone, even the one that doesn't respond to his love. Even the ones that reject his son, he still loves. He still loves. And for us, if we learn to love the way he loves, we'll we'll, we'll capture the reality of the dynamic of living in the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. The signs and wonders and the miracles and all of those things, they come after we get out of being mercenary lovers and we get into loving as he loves. It's one of the things I love about my brother Chuck. You know, he's, he's, he's not just loving people in the church, he's loving all people. The Speedway gas station is a divine encounter waiting to happen. And some of his stories have just so blessed me and they inspire me to say, we've got to go beyond what we just do in the confines of these walls. We've got to learn how to really love which means we got to love the persons that come across our path, regardless of who they are and what their needs are. We may not be able to meet all of their needs, but we can still love them. And we can still encounter them in such a way that they sense that the love of, a, of the Father God has been expressed to them. 
and you may just give one expression and the Lord sends another one of his love agents by that can bring an added dimension to his love expression to them. <clears throat> so what are we saying? We're free to live by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. That is, that is, and we've got to believe that. If we don't, we'll be continually trapped by our own sabotaging the righteousness of Jesus. <clears throat> but as we get to there, it's time then to love and to pray and to care for others. If anybody is carrying around a load of guilt and condemnation, it's time to lay it down today. It's time to drop it. The enemy has hoodwinked you into thinking that this is your burden to carry for the remainder of your days on planet Earth. And the Lord Jesus wants you to know he is the burden bearer. He's already paid for it. He's already carried it with him. He went from the cross. He descended and took the captives and ascended and made a parade of the enemy's kingdom. Let's believe. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.